Welcome to OECD Podcasts, where policy meets people. The future of work is now. Digitalization, globalization, and aging populations are all rapidly reshaping how we work and live. Thanks to innovations like artificial intelligence, ever more powerful computing, and robotics, routine tasks in factories and offices are increasingly being carried out by machines, while certain more complex tasks are also becoming automated. At the same time, new jobs are being created, yet they may not be the same, either in job type or quality, as those that are disappearing. The OECD estimates that 14% of jobs today are highly likely to become automated, while another 32% of jobs are likely to significantly change due to automation. Are we ready for these changes? Not necessarily. For a start, low-skill workers, as well as older adults, low-income people, and those who are out of work, are far less likely to receive the training they need to keep up than are people with higher skills or higher incomes, younger people or those who are working. But change applies to skilled workers too. So what new training do we all need? And how can we create an inclusive future of work, one that works for everyone? I'm Kate Lancaster, and you're listening to OECD Podcasts. I'm joined today by Pedra Cisa Vieira, Minister of the Economy in Portugal, in order to explore some of the issues around automation, digitalization, and the future of work. Welcome, Minister Cesa Vieira, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's start then with the big picture. What do you see as the two or three biggest future of work issues today, globally in Portugal? Well, I think one of the questions that we are facing is uh, precisely about the insecurity and and a lot of workers around the world and the anxiety which then can translate into societal and political problems. And I think these are uh, the result of uh, uh, topics which you've mentioned in uh, your introduction. The fact that automation and artificial intelligence may make uh, a number of jobs redundant, that people feel... uh, Uh, uncomfortable about whether their skill set is useful in the future. And also, one topic which is already being noticed, which is the precariousness of jobs. Mm -hmm. Uh, As as, uh, automation grows, uh, people tend to work in a more precarious way. We see a lot of uh, these jobs in which uh, people have a relation uh, with a platform which uh, either uh, accesses the the customer and just ad hoc purchases services from people, which then translates, of course, to our public welfare systems and how we how we pay for social security going forward, mm-hmm. where uh, employers are making less of a contribution. Let's talk about Portugal then. Um, it's one of 23 countries participating in the EU's national coalitions for digital skills and jobs projects. And of course, skills are a way to address some of the fears and insecurities you've evoked. And The goal of this project is to raise digital competencies of all Portuguese citizens, whether it's people on the shop floor or in management in the private sector or the public sector, middle skilled workers or highly skilled workers need to keep their skills active as well. So what what are you doing to meet this goal? What kinds of investment are you carrying out? Well, we are putting a lot of emphasis on making a huge investment in education and training. 
and not only making sure that uh, as uh, children progress through the school system, they are uh, accessing basic skills on IT and coding and programming, uh, but also have uh, an education which is broad and develops skills across the spectrum. But we're also putting a focus very significant on the retraining uh, of uh, older workers to make sure that they're up to scale. Our program for Industry 4.0 uh, is uh, seeking to uh, retrain and develop 200,000 workers, active workers, right now uh, in the next three years. And uh, finally, I think we have another topic, which is uh, to develop the basic skills of the population at large. Mm. Because as the economy becomes more digital, even as uh, clients of services, even as uh, regular citizens, you must be sure that you're not excluded from what's happening. And therefore, as we invest more in digital uh, public services, we also need to make sure that the population is able to deal with that, and that's also a focus. It's true. We see this in OECD data that you know six out of ten uh, adults don't have basic ICT skills or just don't have a lot of experience using a computer. So as you say, upskilling, retraining, but also just getting everyone the basic skills. And I imagine you're expecting a lot of return on all this investment. What kind of return do you are expecting for productivity? Well, clearly, uh, productivity growth is crucial right now in Portugal. I think we've made a significant progress in the growth of the economy by bringing in people who are unemployed. We are the country in Europe where unemployment has decreased faster and in more significant ways. But I think we're getting to a situation we, where we have full employment these days. So growth in the economy right now can only come from growth in productivity, which is why continuing to invest in education education and training must be crucial. We've made a, a significant discussion with the European Union in the reprogramming of the European Union funds to Portugal to make sure that we allocate more resources to education and training than was originally foreseen. Well, speaking of investing in people, another issue is, of course, attracting the right talent. And not only attracting the right talent, but attracting the right talent to the right places. And I imagine this is a part of what you're doing as you build Portugal's digital future. So tell us a little bit about the initiatives you have in place to bring talent to Portugal or to help move talent where it's needed within Portugal. Well, one of the things we are seeing uh, in, in statistics is that uh, these past three years, we've been very good at allocating labor to, uh, to the sectors of the economy where growth is more significant and where productivity is higher. So that sort of reform in the, in the labor and the economy has been very effective, and it shows then it translates into how our exports and our services, value-added services, are developing such uh, uh, those who are more oriented towards external market. But I think we are also being very successful in attracting foreign talent. We have also a great uh, ecosystem for entrepreneurship and startups. We have a vibrant startup scene and we facilitate visas for foreign uh, entrepreneurs who come to our cities and develop, find working spaces and uh, low cost of living to, to start their own business. And finally, we offer tax breaks for qualified people who come and uh, live and work in Portugal. Uh, and they find a reduced uh, income tax for a couple of years, which allows them also to live uh, in the, the first few years where they are launching. I'm going to shift focus a little and tell you that here at the OECD, we are running an I Am the Future of Work campaign. 
And right now we have been asking ordinary people, ordinary citizens from around the world to share their hopes and concerns about the future of work with us. And one of the themes that has emerged has been people's concerns about having good quality jobs, jobs with fair wages, good working conditions, adequate work-life balance, a, a concern both now and when the, for the future, when they think about the future of work. So how do you respond to these concerns and what measures are you taking to improve job quality? I think one of the things we must uh, be uh, well aware in the Western world and uh, in Europe in particular is that we must make sure that the economy uh, works for the benefit of the many. Mm -hmm. Most people in our countries uh, live out of their work. They work to pay their rent, they work to pay the food, transport, and to, to educate their children. They must trust that work is and will continue to be available, that it pays a decent salary, that it values the contribution of a worker, and allows them to live a life which is fulfilling. So I think that uh, in order to show that we are governing for the many, we have to translate that into tangible policies. And uh, these past three years, we made significant commitments to improve the situation of those who live out of their work. We've increased minimum salaries. We have reduced personal income tax for the low and middle classes. And we have made sure that we improve uh, the uh, social support to those who work and uh, have uh, less of a salary. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we've made also a very significant reform in respect of the social security for independent workers. As you know, many of those who uh, present themselves as self-employed actually are uh, delivering services to one entity or derive the, the bulk of their income from just one payer. They're really dependent and, on one and employer. And we have required uh, the in those in that situation, those single uh, uh, purchases of their services to contribute to Social Security, and we are now providing unemployment benefits and pension benefits which are more appropriate to those who are self-employed in this manner. We must avoid that uh, the digital economy is a gig economy for those who work, mm -hmm. and we must make sure that those who benefit from the economy, the major uh, companies, those who thrive in the uh, digital economy, make a fair contribution to the lives of the many. And there's been some talk in some countries about making benefits portable so that workers, as they move in and out of different kinds of work, whether more traditional or gig economy, whether they're temporary, part-time, or full-time, be able to take their benefits with them. Is that something you're considering? It is something we are considering, and uh, uh, I think that uh, both geographically and both in the way you move through uh, your l uh, work life, through careers and different topics, you must accommodate this. Mm -hmm. In 20 or 30 years, when most of the people now working now will be uh, getting into retirement age, the activities that they will have performed will be very, very different. The skills that they will have to learn during this time will be uh, immense. And uh, I think the whole system, the whole economy of, of public welfare systems must adapt to this. One of the things we must make sure is that the, the, the foundations of society, which have worked for decades for the benefit of many, many uh, millions of people around the world, are adapted to continue to deliver the same yes. promise of solidarity, of a better life for those who live out of the work. And as we have agreed that we need to adjust taxation systems, that we have to adjust the competition rules to make sure that they are adapted to the digital economy, so we must do so in respect of um, public uh, welfare and uh, how we govern our economy. In a democracy, 
the vote of a Uber driver counts the, exactly the same as the one of Mark Zuckerberg. And if we don't, uh, there, there are many more Uber drivers than Mark Zuckerberg's. So you can see how important this must be and how fast and effectively democracies must respond. So having said that, what advice would you have for policymakers in other OECD countries to help them and to make this happen? Well, I think that in Western democracies, such as the OECD countries, mm. uh, all public servants are servants of the people. We live and we, we, we work uh, because of the people and for the people. And this is very obvious that these, this is the, the, the ones who we must bear in mind. I think that these last 30 years or these last 10 years of after the global financial crisis have shown that uh, deregulation, globalization, technology has significantly improved uh, uh, wealth across the world. But we must make sure that this is, this is also for the benefit of the population at large and not just concentrated on the few. Otherwise, we can't have vibrant democracies as we all wish to have. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure talking with you. It's been my pleasure. I'm Kate Lancaster. Thank you for listening to OECD Podcasts. You'll find out much more about the issues we've been discussing today at OECD.org. And to add your voice to the OECD I Am the Future of Work campaign, go to oe.cd slash f-o-w.